This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hoisty Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. It is National Signing Day, Part 2. We're going to talk some recruiting on today's episode of the podcast as the Pirates are introducing three new high school signees, and now that runs the total of scholarship signees to 19 for the 2023 recruiting class. You can get the full list. Of course, we've covered many of these guys at the first signing day in December, uh, just before the bowl game. Now we'll talk about the latest additions, and really there's been four additions as Marlio Neolian from St. Thomas More Prep School in Connecticut, a New York native, has since enrolled in class, and he did that earlier in January past the signing date. So he's a big addition we'll talk briefly about on today's episode. Uh, but we also later will have a conversation with Hank Hinton. He is uh, really the unofficial director uh, of the Team Boneyard NIL Collective, uh, supporting East Carolina University student-athletes. And so we'll get into a bunch of details with Hank about where the NIL stands, where it's going, goals, maybe how they uh, project to you know benefit the student-athletes in terms of paying them, and you know where ECU stands on the NIL scale as, you know, really there's a ton of traction, and we'll get into it with Hank, with a ton of momentum picking up for the NIL Collective, and really I've, I've been hitting on it for a long time. You guys have probably heard on past podcasts, but ECU may be a little bit behind the curve with this, and listen, there's a lot going on with the Pirates Unite campaign, but ECU has to find a way to fund this NIL Collective, at least at a competitive point in the American Athletic Conference, if it wants to continue competing for championships going forward. So we'll get into that with Hank and the importance of of the collective and, and so much more when he joins us on the second part of the show let's talk recruiting right now again national signing day recap ecu officially announces the additions of three signees two cornerbacks enrico watkins from james rickards in tallahassee florida also dalen Diston from union county in lake butler florida and then another florida signee offensive lineman jamarian mccrimmon uh, from Kissimmee, Florida, Osceola High School, and three guys from Florida. There was also a fourth target from the state of Florida. EC was waiting on for a decision. Desirio Riles from University Christian in Jacksonville. He he was down to Indiana and East Carolina, 
He chooses the Indiana Hoosiers. He becomes the third player in the last month to choose Indiana over ECU. Uh, I know, you know, I, I credit East, East Carolina's coaching staff for continuing to recruit guys against the, you know, quote-unquote power five programs, but I, it, it's got to be frustrating to really have a better football program in terms of on-field results, competitiveness, and yet lose to a school like Indiana, which has the most losses of any FBS program Overall, the, the single worst losing program in FBS, yet due to their attachment to the Big Ten, uh, basically automatically wins over these recruits. And it's a, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is right now. And um, it's, what, uh, it's what ECU is up against. You know, they recruit. These teams recruit against ECU based off conference affiliation all the time, and that's the toughest thing to overcome. Uh, if you're East Carolina right now, Obviously, those that follow recruiting see it on a daily basis. I mean, we're talking about kids from Florida, uh, kids from South Carolina, uh, going to Indiana over a school like East Carolina, which is a football school in the Southeast versus a basketball school that uh, has posted, I think, one or two Big Ten wins the last two years combined. So, also the coach with another bad year could get let go. So, it's just, you know, it's just, that's that's recruiting right now, man. It's, it's tough to overcome those things. So, um, again, Desirio Riles picks Indiana over ECU uh, and, and chooses that. That continues to leave a void at tight end for the Pirates. We'll get into some of the needs going forward. But first, let's talk about the guys who did decide to be Pirates on this Wednesday. We'll start first with uh, the highest rated of the three signees, Rico Watkins, 5'11", uh, 175-pounder out of Tallahassee, Florida. You know, the interesting thing about both these corners and especially Watkins you know, they kind of did a little bit of everything for their high school programs. And Watkins, he played some quarterback. He played receiver. He got some uh, action at running back. Of course, played defensive back. He had seven picks as a senior for Rickards. He also ran track. Uh, he caught uh, over 30 passes for 700 yards this past season. Had over 300 yards rushing. So truly just an all-around athlete. And I think a guy that projects well as a corner. He's got kind of a thinner frame, but pretty long arms. You know, not the biggest guy in the world, but rated as an athlete by 24-7 sports. Ranked him 115th best athlete nationally. The 171st best prospect in the talent-rich state of Florida per 24-7 sports. Was previously committed to UMass. Had some very early scholarship offers from Mississippi State, Nebraska, Oregon, Vanderbilt. So had some... Uh, Notable programs after him early on. He chose to really wait a long time in his recruitment. Um, You know, some of those schools either backed off or filled up. ECU ends up being the beneficiary as he reopened his recruitment, backing off the UMass commitment. He takes over, I think, as the fourth or fifth highest rated guy in the class. So, you know, I guess one of the concerns with Watkins from other teams was how exactly was he going to fit in? What position was he going to play? Again, kind of did a little bit of everything. But to me, these are the guys historically that turn into, you know, maybe one of your best players as far as defensive backs. You know, just a great all-around athlete. Yes, it will take some time for him to learn exactly, you know, the the ins and outs of playing corner at the Division One level, going against bigger uh, bigger receivers. But that's part of the process. And the same thing with Dalen Diston, a guy from Union County, another Florida product. Again, Florida high school football. No matter what level, it's usually pretty legit and. Distance, another guy who was an all-state pick, you know, played running back, played safety, played corner for Union County, 
just a, a dominant all-around player, played receiver um, for a very strong Union County program in Florida at the uh, 1A level, so a lower level in Florida, so maybe didn't get recruited quite like others. But you know, the interesting thing about Distin is he's recruited heavily by Temple, and of course that was when Jules Mon- Montanar, the former Temple's cornerback coach, was at Temple. He has since moved to East Carolina, so one of the first things he did after taking the East Carolina job was offered Distin, got him up on an official visit, Six foot 175, runs well. Again, another all-around athlete. Ranked a three-star by 24-7 sports. He's ranked as a safety, a top 150 safety nationally. Projected to play corner at East Carolina. So I like both these guys. You know, realistically, more long-term additions than short-term. We'll get into some of the needs at corner going forward, but I, I do like that they add to the room for some long-term upside. The other guy, another long-term addition is Jamarian McCrimmon. Uh, it might be a McCrime. I'm not 100% sure on the uh, on the pronunciation there. Either way, Florida, really athletic, big tackle with a lot of upside, 6'5", 270. He will need to develop. He needs to put on weight. But the thing I like most about Jamarion is he committed to East Carolina at the conclusion of his official visit on January 20th, and he chose to stick with that pledge even after Purdue came in with an offer and they tried to get him to visit. So you got a situation where, hey, maybe you don't land Riles due to a Big Ten affiliation, but you do appreciate a guy like Jamarion who was thankful for his opportunity at East Carolina. He chose to stick with the Pirates despite a Big Ten school coming and calling. Uh, Appalachian State, Arkansas State, Coastal, and USF also offered, along with Western Kentucky, in the recruiting process. No ranking yet for Jamarion on 24-7 sports. He'll likely be ranked at a later date. So with these three additions, ECU suddenly up to five commitments from the state of Florida for the 2023 recruiting class, seven from Georgia, four from South Carolina, two from North Carolina, and of course, uh, Marleo from New York. And before we move on, wanted to really talk about Marleo. I think not, you know, the most heralded recruit in the world, but I think a guy that could uh, be a significant addition from the standpoint of, yes, long-term He's really got a chance to grow into a special player. You're talking about a guy who's legit 6'7", 321, you know, weighed in on his visit. Uh, big hands, good arm length, Ivy League offer, so he's a smart kid, enrolled early, and he's only been playing football at a high level for two years. You know, he played his senior year of high school in New York and then made the move to prep school in Connecticut. He had a, he had a preferred walk-on offer from Penn State. They were trying to find room to get him in. He chose to commit to East Carolina. So I'm really high on these four guys. Uh, I think realistically, anytime you recruit high school players in the transfer portal era, you can't necessarily count on an immediate impact here or there. But I do like the addition of these four guys. And I like that East Carolina continues to recruit high school players. I mean, we talk so much about the portal and so much focus goes on to the portal. But I you know, I still think at the end of the day, a program like East Carolina, you can supplement talent from the portal. You can get some significant immediate additions from the portal, but you've got to have a good high school recruiting foundation. You've got to develop. You've got to retain talent. Uh, every now and then you'll hit on a freshman or two that can make a big inf- impact right away, like a Keaton Mitchell um, or, or Rajay Harris, like they did early in their career, especially at a skill position or in the secondary, like a Jaquan McMillan, Malik Fleming. You know, those things aren't unheard of. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the receivers in this class ends up playing right away, if not multiple of the guys. So 
high school recruiting is vital to a program like ECU. No, not all these guys are going to work out. It doesn't work that way for any program in America. Just like not every transfer is going to work out. Uh, if you have a 50% or higher rating on transfer commitments, which ECU had a much higher rating on that with transfer pledges last year uh, compared to maybe previous years, I think I think you're happy there. And I think if you can supplement that with high school guys who know the culture, who have been in the program over the course of two, three, four years, that's when you can really build a stable program. And as long as you have a solid culture, solid foundation, those guys aren't going to want to leave uh, as they develop early in their career. Of course, you're going to have guys that want to head out and play right away, but you know, realistically, it's just not an advantageous thing to do uh, for most guys. Look at the guys who have transferred out a year or two into their time at ECU who did not play a whole lot. Either A, they're not playing a lot at their new school, B, they had to transfer down several levels, or C, they uh, quit playing football. So, you know, there, there's there's still a way to retain and develop talent here, and we've seen Mike Houston do that. And I still expect him to recruit the portal as we transition to kind of team needs. I definitely think there's some serious needs going forward with this recruiting class, especially given the losses at receiver, at tight end. Uh, I think both those positions need at least one veteran player, if not two, uh, to kind of come in and compete at wide receiver. You've still got the addition. you got the addition of Ryan King, but you still got question marks. Uh, we know Josiah Hatfield is set to return as a senior. Jalen Johnson is set to return as a senior. You've got some younger guys who are unproven. But you would feel much better about that room if you could get at least one, if not two, to, to help you there. Tight end, Shane Calhoun, you feel good about. He's a proven commodity. We know Tyler Savage has been waiting on his his uh, his chance, and I think he'll step up. But you would like a bigger tight end, kind of a blocking guy, to uh, to help you there. And so I would expect ECU to go to the portal. Quarterback, you still need a fourth scholarship guy right now. Of course, you got Mason Garcia, Alex Flynn, and Raheem Jeter. Those are three scholarship quarterbacks. Most programs tend to have four or five, so ECU will add probably another scholarship quarterback after spring. And then also offensive line. You got to address offensive tackle, at least one, if not two. So there are still some significant needs in the portal to be had, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. Most of the portal work to this point has been done defensively. I still think you could add a corner, especially given the losses there. You now have uh, a handful of scholarship guys in that room, but most of them are young and unproven. If you could get another cornerback, who has played some football and done it at a pretty high level, you have to take them probably right now if you're ECU. So you still got some scholarships to play with around a handful or so, if not a little over that. I would expect that to become a, a real point of emphasis in the coming weeks. Spring practice is going to be huge for the development of key guys in several areas. And many of the spots I just talked about, kind of a chance for them to get some number one, number two reps and show to the staff, hey, is this piece ready to step into a full-time role in the American Athletic Conference and, and against this non-conference schedule? Well, if the, if the coaches aren't sure about that following spring practice, then you're probably going to see them hit the portal with a real sense of urgency. But all these guys have a chance, at least the returning guys and the early enrollees in spring ball, to really prove that they're ready for their moment. And if they don't go out and do it, well, then you can go to the portal. If they do do it, then that gives you a chance to to really feel good going into the summer with some of those guys ready to take the next step if you're Mike Houston and his coaching staff. So it's really going to be a fascinating spring period 
more so than previous years. Of course, we got the quarterback situation. You got a lot of uncertainty at several positions. I've done a pre-spring depth chart uh, projection on hoist the colors, and just uh, that was as tough as I've had a you know tough a job as I've had in a few years doing those projections, just due to all the uncertainty. I think there's just as much talent, if not more talent, in certain spots, especially on the defensive side of the ball and the in the secondary and at linebacker than previous years, but a lot of inexperience, and that'll be the question for East Carolina going forward. If you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, February 1st, until midnight, we've got a special deal, 60% off annual VIP membership to Hoist the Colors. This will take you through a full year of coverage for just over $40. You can also sign up for the monthly rate at full price and get Paramount Plus for free. Those who take advantage of the 60% off membership rate will be able to activate the free membership to Paramount Plus at the conclusion of their uh, of the, the 60% off deal because what we do is we give our full-time, full-paying members, long-time members that free Paramount Plus subscription as a reward for being with us. Of course, many of you guys who are listening have been subscribers with us. Without you, I wouldn't have a job. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to run Hoist the Colors to the capacity that we run it. So we appreciate your support as always. And then if you're a new member on the fence, now is the time. This will be the last big deal we run probably through the summer until preseason camp at least. So this will give you coverage for the 2024 recruiting class, coverage for spring practice. Again, it's a 365-day membership for 40 bucks. You're getting spring practice, recruiting on a daily basis. You're getting baseball coverage. You're getting the end of basketball season. You're getting basketball recruiting this summer which will be big for Mike Schwartz, especially in the transfer portal and other areas he looks to improve the program. You'll get preseason camp. You'll get the 2023 ECU football season. You'll get coverage through next year leading into signing day, not only through the December signing period, but until the February signing period. So you're getting an entire year of coverage, 60% off. Don't hesitate. Join now, hoistacolors.net. All right, on the other side, we're going to transition to our chat with Hank Hinton from Team Boneyard, the NIL collective at East Carolina or supporting East Carolina. And we'll have that conversation on the other side. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back into the Hoisty Colors podcast. I'm Stephen Igo, and it's my pleasure to welcome into the show right now Hank Hinton. He's with Inner Banks Media. He's also a member of the Team Boneyard NIL Collective, supporting East Carolina student athletes. Hank, we've been trying to set this up for a while. We finally found some time, man. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, I finally uh, stopped being a wuss and decided to say yes to you. Um, I, I wasn't sure I was ready to do an interview with anyone, but uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a script for this either. We were just talking prior, and you know, we'll, we'll see what the conversation takes us. A, a lot of you know interest in NIL across college sports right now, and and really, you guys with Team Boneyard are really the only true collective representative uh, for East Carolina student athletes. And we'll you, we'll hit on a little bit of everything here, but first off, let, let's go back to last year, Hank. How did this thing even start? Like, what were the initial conversations, and when, you know, when did you guys start, and how has it grown since then? Well, you know, the university can't have anything to do with with a collective. And um, when I first heard the word collective, I did not know what that meant. Uh, I had never heard that. Never, never envisioned getting involved in NIL in any way. Wasn't really for NIL. I think when everybody first heard about NIL, we, nobody was really approved of it. Nobody was for it. And so, um, you know how you write uh, stories and you say, these are five things I think and five things I know. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I think happened. This, uh, we, we went over to um, a campus to the Murphy center and I, about a year ago, I think there was a signing day event. Uh, for the guys that came in last year after the 2021 season. And I'm not even sure they had that event this year, but it wasn't a media event. It was a fan event. And uh, Coach Houston was up there talking, gave a little speech, gave a little spiel on all the different players he, that, that had signed last year. And he took questions from fans. And, and most of the questions were about this guy or that guy, who's the offensive lineman, who, who are the who are the wide receivers coming in. And uh, I – uh, you know, reluctantly asked this question, but uh, I, just going back to when Travis Hunter signed with Jackson State, uh, I said something. Uh, I raised my hand. He called on me. I said, you know, now guys are getting paid, uh, and it looks like they're getting paid to go to school. I mean, how are you going to, to go to these schools? How, how are you going to deal with high school recruits when they ask, how much am I going to get paid to come to East Carolina? And he gave a good answer, but most of his answer was, I'm, I'm going to tell him that the Greenville business community is, is going to get behind NIL. 
And uh, they, they love ECU football. They see the importance of ECU football. And Greenville's a great place. The city uh, will support this. And uh, we're going to start a program here to make sure uh, we have an NIL uh, you know, platform. And so uh, I'm not sure if that is what started uh, the wheels turning over there on me being interested in, in NIL. I just asked that question. But um, I talked to some of the admin over there afterwards, and they, uh, they said, hey, can you, can you help this NIL? We can't do it. We can't do it as a part of the Pirate Club or as a part of the athletic department. And, uh, you know, I, it seemed like some way that I could help the university. So we, we looked into it. We researched it. Um, I looked at Penn State and NC State and some of the other collectives online. I didn't really uh, didn't really see anything about a year ago, but before last football season, it looked like uh, some other schools had really gotten organized. And then during the season, we started hearing that players were making thousands of dollars a month through these collectives. And so um, we opened it as kind of an open marketplace for businesses to be able to use players in their advertisements, whether it be TV, radio, social media. And really last year, after we got it started, our company was the first to put money into it. Uh, my father, Henry, called uh, a couple other donors because we didn't want to be the only ones to form this group. Uh, but we, we, we called uh, Vern Davenport out of Raleigh, who played football here at East Carolina. He is a big donor. And uh, he also called Travis Burt, who's a friend of ours uh, down at the beach. And he's he's one of the biggest donors. The, uh, the parking lot behind Town Bank Tower is the Burt family premium lot. So we, we got those two guys involved. They both uh, put money into it to start it. And we had a few more friends put money into it, but really last year it was kind of a, Hey, this business wants an advertisement with Holton Nailers. Uh, so I, I get up with Holton. I say, Hey man, will you do this for $500? And that was kind of the marketplace last year. It was kind of a, Hey, do this one thing for this business. And here's a check. Will you do? Will you go to this event for this charity? They're asking you to show up at this this charity event, and they'll pay you X. And so I, I kind of was acting as a, a go between between uh, Holt Nailers and some of the other players and the businesses that wanted them to do things for them. But come to find out, that's not really the main goal of these collectives. So. Uh, next question <laughs> right and so you guys you had it created last year and i feel like for whatever reason once we got through this past football season it felt like there was a awareness of hey other schools in the region other schools in the american athletic conference they are basically using this to pay either a percentage of the roster uh you know a, a money or a quote-unquote salary or, uh, you know, that sort of deal. It, you know, the awareness rose, and in turn, I feel like maybe the need for an NIL at ECU to step up rose. And you guys have really started to, in my opinion, kind of push and really advertise, in, in a way, this NIL collective and the importance of it in January. And as a result, a lot of donors have gotten on board. What has the feedback been since y'all really started to put an emphasis on this? So we, we started hearing uh, towards the end of last year that, 
some schools were coming out on social media. SMU is one. I've seen it on your site. Uh, NC State was another one. We were seeing stories that these collectives that operate outside the athletic department were paying either every single member of their football and basketball team a monthly, you know, putting them on the payroll, essentially. And uh, that's not how we started out. We, we didn't think it was going to be that. But it, it, now it's evolved to that because we've got to we were, we're behind and we, we've got to catch up. And, you know, we're never going to have as much money as some of the power five schools. We're, we're just not going to have the contributors here. We've heard rumors that uh, even some of the schools in the state, the power five schools in the state have had, you know, billionaire donors give millions of dollars to the collective. So, uh, you know, I shouldn't say never, but it, do, it doesn't seem quite possible right now. But I'll tell you what we did have happen. We had uh, Bill Clark Holmes, Mr. Clark and his sons uh, kind of started us off this. Uh, we, we, we launched a campaign really with their with their gift. And we did some Zoom calls in December and uh, one in early January uh, after the first of the year to really get a fundraising campaign launched and tried to figure out, you know, how do we get guys that haven't been giving to this? Some guys haven't known about it. Some guys have pretended not to know about it. Um, and, and and some people are against it. But uh, I think with that lead gift, and we got another large gift from a Greenville businessman um, that kind of set it off, and, and guys started saying, all right, well, if they're giving that amount, then I can, I can do this. And um, – you know, the, 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 the four players in the original LLC gave a certain amount. We went out and asked our friends to give that amount, and they went out and asked their friends, who a lot of them I don't even know. A, a, lot, of the, a lot of the money that we've raised has come from outside of Greenville. Most of it, I think, has come from North Carolina, but Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, uh, Wilmington, it, it's come from all parts of North Carolina, and and, you know, with, with the athletic director coming out and kind of uh, uh, recommending that people give to NIL through this collective, uh, the online contributions with credit cards has ramped up as well. And so uh, I don't want to give any numbers, but we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars since the second week of the year. So in about three weeks. We're way ahead of where, where we were last year. And, and we got this started probably the end of June. So we had about six months last year. But like I said before, it was kind of an – it was open for business last year, but now people are really given to it. And now the goal is to form an advisory committee, which we actually have just done this week. Um, we, we're going to involve – we're going to involve some people that are big donors to this. We're going to involve people that – are helping raise funds for this. We're going to involve uh, former uh, athletes in, in this committee, but we are going to, we're going to put in place now a program to start paying players monthly and, and kind of get in, get in the game and, and start competing with these other collectives because, you know, even though we can't, we can't spend the amount of money that some of these collectives are spending. We can't raise that money, but we, 
we can we can do well. I mean, we can compete in our conference. We really believe that. And we might not be number one in our conference in the collective, but what we don't want to be is last. And and we don't want to we don't want to start seeing players leaving here and going to places like UNC Charlotte and, and Appalachian State and you know other places on our same level uh, in the American and that sort of thing for because they have better collectives and, and a better deal. Yeah, and just you know, speaking from my conversations with people, you know, Charlotte is paying, you know, some players a couple thousand dollars a month. So I mean it's happening everywhere. I don't know where Charlotte's getting the money from. I know they've got obviously some big donors in that area. Um, you know, big business owners. So we'll see. But it, it that's the biggest thing for me is this isn't just NC State and Duke where I've heard they've got millions of dollars in NIO money to spend, but this is the conference. If you want to compete for a conference championship in your own league, you got to be able to compete and at least put yourself in the middle towards the top of that. And I think you guys are helping with that. I do want to hit on, you know, obviously the big donations are critical, Hank. I mean, I think that's the driving force here. But for the, you know, the people, the average fan listening to this podcast or the big donor listening to this podcast, you know, how do they go about donating, whether it be, you know, the monthly option or just giving a, a big one-time donation? How would they go about doing that? You can go to the website, uh, teamboneyard.org. That's the easiest way to do it. We have set up uh, credit card payments there through PayPal. So uh, your credit card payment will, will be safe. Uh, it goes through PayPal, so you shouldn't have any problem with that. We get the money right away. We transfer it into our uh, checking account, and it goes into this pool of money. Now, you can say, hey, I want this money to go to this individual player, but we've now formed this advisory committee that's going to meet for the first time next week. And one of the things, one of the major thing, topics that we're going to have to tackle is the sustainability of this. Like these guys that have given these five, ten thousand. $50,000, $100,000 contributions, uh, they, might not, they might not do that next year. And, uh, and so we've been able to do it this year with those contributions. We've got to figure out a way to do it with smaller contributions and get more of Pirate Nation involved in this because uh, I, I already know that we're not going to be able to go back to the same people year after year. And this is not a one-time thing. This is going to be an annual thing. And uh, did we choose to do this? No, but we've got to do it. We've got to do it to, to keep up. And, you know, ECU fans and, and alums and, and donors have been great. I mean, really in three weeks, we've probably done more than a lot of other collectives. And so uh, uh, we're, we're excited about the future, but we really need to figure out how we're going to sustain you know, if we develop a budget this year, we got to figure out how we can keep it somewhere around there every year. Is it a case where you guys might try and, I don't know, hire somebody to get paid off commission and time to, to really, because like you said, I mean, somebody's going to have to fundraise or attempt to fundraise year round, because I know you guys have had this push at the beginning and, you know, you've been behind a lot of it as far as, you know, organizing it, but you know, once once this year ends, guys, if they're getting paid through this football season, they're going to expect that probably to continue into the next year. So, is that a is that a scenario where y'all could you know hire somebody to do that in time? Absolutely. Uh, everything ha that has been done to this point has been a volunteer effort, and it will continue to be a volunteer effort until we find the right person. 
I've looked at some of the other collectives and they have, they usually have one employee. They usually have one person that is fundraising and pretty much running the, the show. Uh, there's a couple that have two. Um, I think our goal would define, would be to find the right person that could fundraise and, and can, can be that, that, that manager uh, that we need. And, and at that point we would have to budget, budget out a salary and, and commission structure and that sort of thing. For sure. Yeah. I think that's probably uh, an area you guys would have to go for sustainability and time. Um, just curious, and I don't know how much you can say about this at this point, but when you when you guys meet as an advisory committee, you know what are those conversations going to be like in terms of hey, how exactly do we, you know, split this money in terms of paying certain players what, or is that a conversation that's come up yet, or is it still kind of undefined? And then two, you've got other sports, you know, men's basketball is a revenue sport as well, where you know, eventually NIL, and I know you guys have already done a deal uh, for for all the basketball players as well, but it's just. I don't know the, the question marks there in terms of how to divvy up the money, and that in the end of the day, that's you guys' decision. So, um, kind of take me through that process. Well, so I'll read you one of the rules that I got from the compliance officer today, and I actually didn't even ask for this; it just came in like two hours before uh, we we were recording this. Uh, no ECU coach staff member is permitted to operate as an NIL agent for a student athlete or prospective student athlete. The donor business should set the NIL value in terms. So in this case, the collective will be setting the NIL values, the terms. Yes, we want input from the coaches. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the coaches asking for this to be done. And I, I've personally talked to Coach Houston and Coach Schwartz in the last week. They know that this is coming they can't get directly involved and, and we wouldn't want them directly involved because they may get in a situation with a player where, uh, you know, he's not, he, he's not getting paid as much as some guy that he thinks he's better than. And so we've got to give them some cover and they can't be involved legally anyway. And so, but we, we do need to have some cooperation from, the athletic department over there. We're going to run things by compliance, what we can and can't do. This committee, the, the reason we wanted to form this committee is to determine things like you're asking. How much of it goes to football? How much of it goes to basketball? We've already got some commitments through Team Boneyard that are earmarked for baseball players. Uh, I actually talked to uh, one of my radio clients today that wants to do a deal with, with a baseball player uh, doing a radio ad for him this season. That's the sort of thing that I've been used to working with. And that's been, that's been the easy part. This part about, you know, the payroll uh, for lack of a better term, uh, we'll have to, that'll have to go through the committee. And I, I will tell you this, I, I am volunteering this year to serve on the committee and kind of represent the four guys who started this. Um, the, the other members of the committee are going to be people that just have gotten involved. And I want to thank those guys. Uh, some of them are from Greenville. Some of them aren't, but they have really done a lot to help us raise this money so we can start this program. And so, uh, the original members of the LLC are actually not going to be involved in the committee and not be involved in these decision, uh, these decisions that we're going to have to make. 
I'm going to stay involved, but we've got some of the, the larger donors involved. We've even got a former uh, uh, ECU football player and NFL player uh, involved, and he will be involved in our first meeting next week. So I'm looking forward to having those conversations. We, we wanted to, we wanted to have a, 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 a group of people that, you know, a, a local restaurant owner. We wanted to have a, uh, we wanted to have one of the bigger donors to the collective. We wanted to have some of the big contributors to the Pirate Club involved in this. And so we're going to uh, figure all those things out, but we really, uh, we really haven't made a lot of those decisions yet, but we're going to get some input from the coaches before we make final decisions on, on where the money's going. Um, as far as maybe starting the, the, the quote unquote payroll, is that a March goal or is that still kind of to be determined as well in terms of when you guys might be sending out that, I don't know, that round of money or is, or is that still something that will be decided with the, uh, the, uh, the group? The reason for the urgency uh, of, of fundraising and collecting this money now is we want to start by March 1. We want to start this program for football by March 1, and we'll probably start a program for basketball around the same date. And um, so, you know, ideally we would pay all scholarship football and basketball players something, and then you can tear it out from there you know, your starting quarterback is probably going to uh, get a better deal than the uh, the third string freshman, you know, offensive tackle. Uh, but we've got th- – those are things that the advisory committee is going to have to decide. We right. could just take the money and just split it 85 ways among the football team and 10 or 11 ways among the basketball team, but that's – that's not usually how it's done, and that's probably not what we're going to do. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to, to see kind of where the conversations go. Not that we'll be privy to all of them uh, once you guys meet as an advisory group. I do want to, before we let you go, Hank, talk about the importance of local businesses in terms of you shared the story with me about Basil's and how they you know, wrote the check and, and gave it to you the same day for $5,000 and then uh, we put out the story on Hoist the Colors. Subdogs committed ten thousand. I don't know if they've given the check to you or not, but still, local businesses they benefit from ECU athletics doing well more than anybody. How important is it for local businesses to get behind this thing and and you know fund it as best as possible? Yeah, the reason I gave you that quote in your story on Basil's is uh, I, I was fired up because Jeremy at Basil's not only committed but gave me a check the same day. And I was encouraging others to do that because we need the money. We, we, we not only need the commitment, we need the money in hand. Um, Brett from Sup Dogs is going, is, has been very involved and is going to stay involved with this. Um, he, uh, he committed $10,000. Uh, we are going to get that soon. A lot of the money is in the mail. Um, and and uh, over half of the money that's been committed uh, has already been collected and is in the account. So we're ready to roll. I got another commitment this morning from a local business. Local businesses are probably going to be the way this is sustained. I mean, of course, we're going to continue to welcome uh, out-of-town donors, and we're going to ask them to give. But local businesses can actually use some of these guys in their advertisements and marketing. 
And we feel like that is going to be uh, the future of, of this program. And so um, I hope to see, you know, we can put in, you know, for say Mason Garcia, the quarterback, his deal can be that he's going to do this for team Boneyard. I think all of them are going to get a deal saying you're going to, we want you to promote team Boneyard on your social media accounts. And we want you to encourage our fans to, to give money to team Boneyard because guess what? A hundred percent of that money goes to you. It goes to you and your teammates. And so uh, they're going to want to do that, but we can also put in their contract. Hey, um, we, you're going to do this ad for the Menji's bottling group, or you're going to do this ad for sup dogs. So we can add that to the individual players contract. And, and that's going to be one of the ways that, that we can sustain this. Hank Hinton with team Boneyard and Interbanks media. Hank, we appreciate all the information, man. I'm sure we'll, we'll have you on again down the line, but um, great info. I know there's been a lot of questions and probably still some questions naturally, but I think even you guys have some questions uh, and, and you are helping to run the thing. So it's still a work in progress. I do want to say though, you know, you guys have put in a lot of work behind the scenes. I've talked to some of the donors involved, like without you guys, there would be no team Boneyard right now. There would be no NIL collective. And I think there is a necessary, absolutely need for a, a collective at EC right now. Otherwise we'll fall behind. So uh, thank you guys for all your work. And we appreciate the time on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Stephen. Enjoyed it. That's Hank Hinton. That'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We will talk to you guys later on this week. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.